this morning, Jesus. All that you've promised, we call it forth this morning, God. of eternal promise stirring in your sons and daughters earth revealing heaven's wonders so spirit come spirit come what you spoke is now unfolding children shall behold it. Dreams awaken in this moment. Spirit come, Spirit come. Come on, sing it. Pour it
lift your voice, sing it out. For our King is soon returning As we hold to this assurance Spirit come Come on, shout it out! say amen. That is our desire. That's our longing for a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit. I said it earlier and I'll say it again. We can do a whole lot more with the Holy Spirit than without the Holy Spirit. I want everyone to stand all across this room and I want us to welcome. Welcome. Holy Spirit, you are welcome. Come on. Everyone, Come everyone online. This place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for to be overcome by your presence. Lord, Holy Spirit, you are
night I started a series that will continue this week. And it's about the authority of the believer. I want to remind you, you have been anointed and you have been appointed. Jesus called his 12 disciples. How could Jesus reach every town, every village, every area of Israel in three years of ministry? Couldn't be done. Logistically could not take place. So he calls 12 men to be with him and gives them authority. But then Luke 10, he calls 70 more men and gives them authority, delegated oversight and power to disband the works of darkness and the enemy's destruction in people's lives. So by Luke 10, he has 82 men working with him, covering the villages, the towns, and going throughout Israel and setting the captives free. And Jesus says, as he's about to leave, he says, greater works than all that I have done are you going to do because I'm going back to the Father, but I'm not going to leave you comfortless. The Greek word is paraclete, and it means one who is called alongside to assist our lives. How dare we try to do life without the help of the Holy Spirit? Jesus said, I will not leave you comfortless. It literally means helpless, without aid to live victoriously and powerfully in the hour in which I call you to live. And so I'm gonna give you the Holy Spirit, the blessed comforter, the paraclete. And he's gonna come right alongside of you. He's gonna companion you, anoint you, empower you to go out and do greater works. I can show you in the scriptures. I believe there's anointings, there's giftings, there's impartations. I believe in the laying on of hands. I was studying it this week. I had, I guess I have seen this, but never really thought it out. But I can show you where Moses laid his hands on Joshua. Scripture teaches that. And prepared Joshua. Moses lay, man, I'd love to have Moses lay his hands on my life. But I can show you where Jesus laid hands on people. Where Paul laid hands on people. Paul laid hands on Timothy and said, stir up the gift of God that's within you. That was put in you by the laying on of hands. I had not planned to do this until early this morning. I'm praying over the services and reading some scriptures. And the Lord spoke to me, go through and anoint everybody in the house for a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I want every one of our deacons and every one of our pastors to come down front immediately. This will only take a couple of minutes. We're not going to individually pray over everybody, but we're going to just... I'm going, I anointed our staff at 8 o'clock this morning when I met with the pastors. I put oil on my hands and I laid hands on every one of our pastors. 
We have 55 deacons, probably nine or 10 were in the early service this morning. But I'm gonna take some oil and I'm gonna put on my hands and I'm gonna come down this line. In fact, where's Pastor Chris, Pastor Jordan, if you'll come over here. Pastor Bill, I want you to help us. And Pastor Rick, daughter, he's in the house, amen. Come on down. All of our pastors, come over and let me anoint your hands. All I want you to do, I want you to just go by and just touch on the head and just make sure everybody, listen, Pastor Doug, come on, amen. If, I, if you're a pastor recognized by this house, you come, amen, amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You go down this line, let's anoint all these deacons. And then brethren, you have the anointing. I believe in spiritual coverings. And we're gonna lay hands, I don't, I don't want us to miss an area. Nothing can compare You're our living hope Come on, just lead us in some slow, soft worship of presence of God. Hallelujah. Listen, let's don't. Taste it up in the balconies. Come on, up in the balconies. Of the, sweetest the galleries. I'm going to pray over everyone in a minute. Our online campus is not is forgotten here. Undone. It's your presence. Your presence. I'll preach in just a moment. Lord. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Holy Spirit, you are welcome. Make sure somebody lays hands on you. Come flood this place and feel the atmosphere. Hallelujah. Your glory guides what our hearts long for. In the name of Jesus. To be over. In the name of Jesus. By your presence. In the name of Jesus. Lord, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for. To be overcome by your
to say, worthy is the Lamb. We worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on now, you lift your voices. You lift your voices. Come on, just, just love on the Lord. Ascribe glory and honor and praise and power and might and dominion to be, that belongs to him forever, the scripture says, and ever and ever and ever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want you to find the scriptures and everyone stand. Every revival must be based and every move of God must be based and can only last through the preaching of God's holy word. The foundation for the move of God, as I'm going to show you, is the preaching of the word. I believe in Pentecost and the Pentecostal experience. And several generations of my family before me were Pentecostals. My mom got saved at, how old were you when you got saved? Seven years of age. And shortly thereafter was filled with the Spirit. And all her life she's lived for Christ. Amen. My dad, very similar to that. And I'm telling you, I believe that this thing, I believe in transference. And I believe in generational blessings. Amen. One of our pastors, please go check on the thermostats. We've got people fanning. Amen. I want you to fan into flame some things. Amen. Glory to God. Hey, that may be a little of the Holy Ghost going on in the house. Amen. I was actually, I, I was thinking of the temperature earlier. I said, well, it's comfortable in here. But then the Spirit got to moving. Amen. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 20, I want to show you some things. And then we're going to believe for some things to continue. And I believe in impartations. And I believe in the touch of the Holy Spirit. Former mayor visited our church one Sunday morning. And uh, came into the house of God. And we were having one of those good Pentecostal services. And, and anyway, came up here for prayer and got slain in the Spirit. His security began to look around. What have we done to the mayor? I said, he just got touched by the Holy Ghost. Amen. He'll be all right. In fact, he'll be better than he was. We need some more of this to rub off on all of us. Acts chapter 20, I want to show you something in the scriptures here. Verse 16, one verse of scripture. This is Acts part 4, conclusion of our series in Acts. But verse 16, now Paul has had very successful ministry going on through these previous chapters. Chapter 19, revival has broke out in Ephesus, straight up revival. And the Bible says in 19, chapter 19, many believed. And they, they got rid of the things in their lives that attached them to the old, the old life, the curious arts, the... Uh, the, the other gods, they got rid of all those things. The books, they burnt the books. They got things out of their life. Ephesus was on fire revival. revival. And chapter 20 comes along, and I'm setting the stage here, and he goes to Greece, he's in Macedonia, he's in Philippi in Europe, 
and in Philippi to Troas, uh, some powerful things happened. In Troas, he, this is all during a, a short segment of time. In Troas, he's preaching on the Lord's Day, and he preaches, Paul was a long-winded preacher. And so he preaches all evening, and Eutychus, about midnight, falls out of the window, sleep, and dies. You better be thankful you don't have a long-winded preacher. Amen. Amen. But Paul just goes down, but full of the Holy Ghost, lays hands on Eutychus, raises him from the dead. All of this happening, chapter 19, chapter 20, leading up to verse 16, Ephesus says, hey, come back to Ephesus. This revival thing is still happening and the city's being influenced. And Paul says in verse 16, this is where we're at now, Paul had determined to sail not away from Ephesus, not back to Ephesus is what it's saying, because he would not spend the time in Asia for he hasted, if it were possible, he wanted to be back in Jerusalem for Pentecost. Paul is willing to leave straight up revival in Ephesus. All that's happened, happened in Troas and Philippi, the birth of the church of Philippi with the women at the river we, we preached about. He's willing to leave every bit of that because of one thing. I got to get back to the Feast of Pentecost in Jerusalem. What you have done today is very important. Whether you realize the full impact and the background of this, this is Pentecost Sunday. Paul was willing to leave everything that's going on in his ministry because there was something of greater significance and importance. You may be seated. I'm going to preach my whole message and leave you standing. But I'm standing. You can stand with me. Amen. Stand by me. Hallelujah. Paul is willing to leave Ephesus and the revival that's happening to get back to Jerusalem for Pentecost. Something significant. Understanding the roots of Pentecost. Seven feasts in the Old Testament. Watch this, everyone. Three of the feasts were associated with the Easter season. You have Passover, you have Feast of Unleavened Bread, and the Feast of Firstfruits. And from the Feast of Firstfruits, every Jew no matter where you lived in the world, you were to count off 50 days until Pentecost. Everybody knew this. They knew 50 days is Pentecost. And so the next feast, the spring feast were three, the summer feast was one, 50 days in between uh, the, the feast of the first fruits, the resurrection of Christ, 50 days they were to count off until Pentecost. This was very important. So every day in your home, everybody says, Day one, day two, day three. I'm, I'm teaching you history because I'm showing you the importance of why today, why today is important. They count off 50 days. And so they finally get to day 49. Day 50, Pentecost has arrived. There was a group that counted off 50, but then look at Jesus' disciples. He said, I'm going away, but I'm not going to leave you comfortless. Go to Jerusalem and wait for 10 days till Pentecost. And so they go to Jerusalem, 120 strong in Acts chapter 2. And they're counting off. They got 10 days to count off. Day 1, day 2, day 3, day 4, day 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, day 10. And the outpouring takes place. Now let me ask you, wouldn't you rather be with the group that's counting off 10 than just with the group that's counting off 50? It's a matter of position. 
Every, every Jew everywhere in the world was counting off 50, but there was only 120 that were counting off 10, the final 10. I want to tell you, you can be, if you long to be and desire to be, among those that are longing for more, waiting according to the promise of what Jesus said, doing what Jesus bid us do. And he said, I command you to wait and tarry, to be filled with the Spirit, endued with power from on high. And so they waited for this final 10 days, it's all about pattern. It's all about spiritual order. It's all about doing uh, uh, what, what we see in the scripture to be recognized as important. Now, I want to show you this because this is very interesting. Paul goes back to Jerusalem for Pentecost 29 years after. This Acts chapter 20 takes, takes place 29 years after the original outpouring in Acts chapter 2. Sometimes we think, well, maybe this was the next year. It was some historians say 27 years. Some historians say 29 years. But up, upwards of three decades later, after the original outpouring of the Holy Spirit, Paul understands the importance. I've got to leave Ephesus. I've got to leave Philippi. I've got to leave Eutychus and Troas. I've got, I can't go back to what uh, has been happening. I've got to get back to Jerusalem, to Pentecost. Every person was required to go to Pentecost. Every Jew, and they knew that. And every Jew was required. They knew they had to bring a Pentecost offering, an offering that rep represented, I'm trying to preach too fast, amen, an offering that represented two things. Remember the priest held up two loaves. One loaf he waved for all the blessings that had happened in the past. And he led that and he waved that, that loaf uh, to represent uh, he, the blessings that God had already blessed with. How many have been blessed? Raise one hand and wave it a little bit if you've had some previous blessings in your life. Uh, but the priest also held up another loaf, and it was for all the future blessings that you were uh, claiming and declaring. And so the priest would wave that loaf. I'm, I'm waving a right hand, or you're, you're waving another hand right now, making a declaration. I thank God for his goodness. I thank God for his faithfulness. I thank God for every blessing that I've received. But I got another hand up that I'm expecting the blessings of the Lord to continue to abound in this next season. Three decades after Pentecost, you say, Pastor, I just don't believe this Pentecost thing is all that important. Look at the life of Paul. He leaves ministry to get back to Jerusalem for Pentecost. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit recognized the giving of the law at Mount Sinai. The giving of the law was important, but it also recognized the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The letter, if you only have the law, the letter, Paul said, killeth, but the Spirit makes alive. So we need the spirit of truth and we need the work of the Holy Spirit to anoint the truth. Amen. How can we receive except the Holy Spirit enlighten us and open us up to the gospel? Men are walking in darkness. It is the work of the Holy Spirit that illuminates that truth. And all of a sudden, have you read the scripture and all of a sudden a passage comes alive in your spirit? That happens on a regular basis. I never saw that. You know, it was like this week just reading about Moses laying hands on Joshua. I've read that so many times, but it came alive in my spirit this week. 
that this elder statesman, this patriarch of the faith, he laid his hands on Joshua. I'm telling you, the Spirit of God takes the Word of God and breathes life. That's why we don't have a dead religion. We have a religion that is alive by the breath and the Ruach of God, the Spirit of the Lord breathing upon the law of God. Hallelujah. Go to chapter 2, verse 1. I got to hurry. Amen. Chapter 2, verse 1, it says, And when the day of Pentecost finally arrives. This is the original outpouring. Historically, it's somewhere around 30 A.D. And so somewhere around 30 A.D., 40 years before Rome completely destroys Jerusalem, the, the Pentecost day arrives and the people were all in one accord. Everybody say unity. In one place. The reason the devil tries to bring disunity in homes, families, in churches, is because he can keep the work of the Spirit at bay. He can keep, listen, if he can keep the Spirit of God from moving in your life and working in your life, he wants to do that. And that's why he tries to create disunity. Always be a purveyor, one standing for unity, an armor bearer of unity. In homes, families, the house of God. They were all in one place, in one accord. And everybody say, suddenly. Look at verse 2. Suddenly there came a sound as of a rushing mighty wind. They had been there for 10 days. They had been waiting in obedience to the, the word that Jesus had given them. Terry, 10 more days to Pentecost. They had been there, and I, I believe I can show you scripturally. They're in prayer. They're in supplication. They're reading the scriptures admonishment and exhortations and they're waiting for 10 days sometimes we need to just pull ourselves away from the busyness of life and get along with our Bibles and get along with the Holy Spirit and let God just build us up and strengthen us and speak to us but they were waiting for 10 days and a suddenly took place look at the screens Hit the play button. John, I'm glad you're all safe. It's good to see you again, Stephen. Matthew. What form will it take? When will it come? Jesus said all we had to do is ask. I have been asking every day. The Holy Spirit will come when the time is right. I think we should pray together. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil.
speak those languages the holy spirit he is with us <laughs> the holy spirit is with us in verse two come on give the lord praise what what does it look like in your mind you know i always try to put pictures when i'm reading and studying and it says suddenly there was a sound put yourself in jerusalem somewhere around a.d. 30 you're under tyrannical Roman rule. So the Romans have rule of the entire area and the nation of Israel. You're under their tyranny. You're under the religious rule. You've gathered together for 10 days following the words of Christ that the, on Pentecost there would be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And you're waiting and all of a sudden the wind starts blowing violently. A sound of a rushing wind. Something had to take a city that was so anti-move of God. When you consider Jerusalem in A.D. 30, and, and you think move of God, revival in the city, something had to happen to shake that city. Something had to happen to get Jerusalem's attention. I'm here to say, friends, that God knows how to shake cities. God knows how to get people's attention. God knows how to move families. Amen. Uh, God can shake some things up and suddenly a sound begins to shake Jerusalem. Then it also says that cloven tongues of fire sat upon all 120. We defined last week that among that 120 we know that there were at least the 82 that were working with Christ and we know there was a group of women and Mary the mother of Jesus. A cloven tongue of fire sat upon each person's head. If you won't move because wind moves you, you might move because some fire touches you. Amen. Listen, let some, let some fire get in some of that hairspray. Amen. You'll move. And, and something began to, what is going to draw a city together? Because when Peter stands up to preach, he preaches to a multitude of people. Something has to shake Jacksonville up. Something has to shake Los Angeles up. Something has to shake Washington, D.C., Atlanta, Georgia, Miami, Florida. I, I'm telling you, some, the wind of God shook the city of Jerusalem and the fire of God touched those 120 that the city came to hear Peter preach. My prayer is that God so touch Evangel Temple uh, that the city comes out to hear the word of God being declared. Listen, they were touched by the Spirit when suddenly the Spirit begins to manifest. I'm never, I'm never taken back or alarmed at manifestations that God causes and God brings. Amen. Listen, the church could afford to have a little more. 
we tend towards being too reserved and too uh, uh, in our place and everything prim and proper. We've created our nice orderly services and, and almost X'd the Holy Spirit out. Amen. We've packaged services that are, are, are 58 minutes. And, and But listen, what we need is for God to show up and go, blow on our order of service. Amen. What we need is for the wind of God to take some situations where we've cookie-cuttered uh, uh, what we view as, as the presence of God. I'm telling you, we need more than an experience. We need an encounter with God. You can say, oh, me, or amen. And we need the fire of God. Jesus said, ye shall receive power. And I want the worship team to come back. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. I'm interested in touching a city. I'm interested in city transformation. I can show you in the book of Acts where they talk about the disciples and they say, these who have turned their world upside down, which really is right side up, have come to our city. God send Evangel Temple out into a city to touch a city, to make a difference. There are people that need the gospel to liberate and free them. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Where the spirit of the Lord is not, there tends to be things that do not liberate and do not set free. That's why I say, come Holy Spirit. Welcome Holy Spirit, amen. I want everyone to stand and please no one leave because I'm going to give you a commission in just a moment. For the summer of 2018, hallelujah, people had come to Jerusalem because of the command. Watch this. If God's going to do something, he's already got in order Everybody's got to be present. So already, way back in Deuteronomy, he says, you are required to go to Pentecost because 2,000 years from now, I'm going to do something on 